I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanna plug my 12-week Next Chapter program. You'll notice I don't run ads on this podcast. The purpose of producing it is simply to connect with my audience, and 90% of the people who listen will never contact me, and that's okay. I love providing a free resource and support for people that are doing their own thing. But some people are looking for more coaching and more support. So this episode is brought to you by The Next Chapter, which is my 12-week program for women who are either quitting drinking or who have quit drinking, who are looking to bypass the rules of sobriety, which include acknowledging the fact that you're an alcoholic or an addict of some sort, and that you need ongoing support meetings to protect your sobriety for the rest of your life, and that if you ever have another drink, that you go back to day one or that you've had a relapse. In my opinion, that approach is simply exchanging one set of limiting beliefs for another, and your entire life still revolves around alcohol. Personally, I wanted to escape my obsession with alcohol, not be defined by it for the rest of my life. That is what I work with women to do with the premise that it never was about the alcohol. We were drinking to cope with lives that we had created that were unsustainable. And once we get the alcohol out of our system, what we discover is that we really need to learn how to set boundaries and to recognize black and white, all or nothing thinking that is leading us into cycles of self-sabotage. We need to learn how to practice self-care. We need to stop asking for permission and approval to take care of ourselves and to do what we need and want to do. The only rule I believe that I'm ever going to follow again is my own intuition. And I help women connect with that sense of intuition because the truth is we all know what we should be doing. The problem is we're not doing it and working through the emotional resistance and whatever external obstacles we're dealing with to help us step into the best version of ourselves so that we can trust ourselves with or without a drink in our hand. We can trust ourselves with all that food we're trying not to eat or the money we're trying not to spend or to set aside the time and not just give our our time away constantly committing and over committing and thinking and overthinking and instead learn how to focus so that we can achieve the goals that we want in our lives and really step into a place of power. That is what I teach women to do. That doesn't happen overnight, which is why I offer a 12-week program where we meet each week to work on different coping skills and also spend time with other women who are sharing in this goal to grow intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. I create a tribe for you so that 
you have a safe space to be vulnerable about what's really going on and to brainstorm tools and to bring failures back and talk about them and laugh about them. And so that's what we do each week in the next chapter. And it's a full service package. Um, and I will put the link in the show notes if you are interested in setting aside a three-month period of your life to get your shit together, to reconnect with yourself, to realign your focus, and to set goals for yourself that include more than just not drinking. Because being sober is not a goal. I teach that sobriety is a bridge. It is a form of self-care that's just as important as sleep, but I don't walk around defining myself as a sleeper and I don't walk around defining myself as sober. So I teach women how to go from a place where you feel like you've painted yourself into the corner with the alcohol habit, or you've quit drinking and now you've painted yourself into the corner with a new identity as a sober person and you're just not living your best life. I teach you how to go from where you're at uh, to where you wanna go and we work on the steps to get you there. So that's my plug, thanks for listening. Today we're gonna talk about black or white, all or nothing thinking, and how that mindset perpetuates cycles of self-sabotage and keeps us stuck. I wanna put a picture in your head of a spectrum. So just think of a line, like if I told you to draw a line on a piece of paper, and on one end, on the left end of the line, you put zero, and on the right end, you put 10, and of course, you've got your five in the middle, and at zero is not okay. Things are not okay. You're not okay, life's not okay. And on the 10 side, I want you to think of everything's okay, you're okay, life is okay, it's all good. And then 50% is in the middle. What we tend to believe is that there will be a day when we get sober, when we get our finances together, when we quit eating chips and ice cream, that we're going to wake up and we're going to be a 10 out of 10 and we are going to be okay. And anytime we fall short of that, we, we, we are seeing life as in a binary. You're either not okay or you are okay. I want you for this episode to think of life as a spectrum of okayness. So you've got zero is not okay, 10 is totally okay, and very rarely are you in either of those places. Life really is 50-50, where things are okay and things are not okay. And thinking about this spectrum, the goal that I want to, you to see in your head is how you're moving the needle. So if the needle is at the 50% mark, how do you move the needle towards the okay side and away from the not okay side. And when you look at the big picture, you have to start judging your okayness by how much of your time you spend on the okay side of the spectrum and how quickly you are able to resolve not okayness in whatever that is and so that you're moving back onto the side of the spectrum that you want. Because there is no day or time when everything is perfect for very long, I mean, it might be for five minutes, but then life happens. Things are always changing. 
one time I was doing a coaching call with a client who'd been working with me for about three months and she was doing amazing. And we were talking, I don't know, about exercise or diet or something. And I was sharing how like in one day I was just like a total hot mess. I just lost my shit. Like I was eating everything. I didn't exercise. I was probably yelling at my kids. Like, I don't know. And the look on her face was so priceless because it was like she just found out there was no Santa Claus. She goes, Colleen, I thought you had all of your shit together. Like, what are you telling me? And it was such a beautiful, I was so glad she shared that because I am not perfect. Nobody is perfect. I still have days, especially towards the end of the week, for whatever reason during the work week, I tend to wake up on Thursdays and Fridays and I, my first thought is, fuck, I'm in a hole. You know, I'm, I'm depressed. I can't keep going. You know, I still yell at my kids and I still get in fights with my husband and struggle with motivation and s- find myself stuck in my own cycles of self-sabotage. The difference now is that I know how to self-correct. I no longer mistake those days when I'm not okay as permanent. So I react differently to myself in those moments of weakness. And if I was to plot out my day by the minute and survey myself of my mood, I would say I spend a lot more of my day on the greater than 50% okay side. If I had to give myself a rating, I would say I'm 92% happy. I have 92% of my shit together, but it's fluid. It's constantly changing. Some days it's easier than others. But it's the hard days that I give myself the most credit for. It's when I fall that I get credit for getting myself back up. It's easy to have a good day when my hair looks good and my skinny jeans fit and everything's going well for me. It's hard to have a good day when life intervenes, when technology isn't working or I am disappointed with my spouse or my kids or myself. You know, I stayed up too late watching Netflix, eating the granola. And now this morning I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I still do it. But what I want to talk to you about today is it's in the response to your setbacks to, if you want to call it a relapse of whether it be alcohol, whether it be sugar, whether it be emotional outbursts that you're trying to control. It's how you respond to those. And also noticing over time that your setbacks are less intense. They last less time. The damage is less. I'm able to pull out of doom and gloom faster. I bounce back quicker. I don't take those periods of lowness so seriously. I don't make them mean something about me. The bottom line is I've learned how to master my emotions and manage my mind. I know how to get myself to do things that I don't want to do because I know those things are going to make me feel better. That's emotional intelligence or what I like to call emotional sobriety. 
And that's the skill that most of us are lacking, which is why we end up with drinking problems or emotional eating problems or you know high interest rate debt on credit cards, whatever it is. Because the mistake that keeps us all running in circles and doing that is that we think we have to do everything right, life has to be right in order for us to feel okay. And what we're doing is setting conditions on our okayness. So if we're perfectly sober, if we don't eat the cookies or binge on the TV, and when all of our people show up on time and they're they're doing or being or saying whatever it is that we think that they should do and be and say, then we can be okay. But when those conditions aren't met, what happens? We fall apart. We use the circumstance of whatever's happened with us internally or externally with our lives as an excuse. We use our setbacks and disappointments as excuses to further fall off the wagon or finish the bag of chips or skip the workout or have another drink. We tell ourselves that we've already fucked up anyway or that it's impossible, we're never going to get there, so it doesn't matter, why bother to keep trying? And so what I've had to learn how to do, and this is basically the premise of my coaching program, is to learn how to feel okay first so that I can then do what I want to do. Because our behaviors are driven by our feelings. Feelings are filters. I love to use this analogy, and again, you'll have to put put the image in your head because I do this on camera and I have a bunch of different glasses, like some pink glasses and these bright red ones and black ones. And I put all these glasses on my head and I explain that these are our emotions. This is what it's like to try to solve problems and move throughout the world when you have a bunch of emotions that you're not dealing with. You can't see clearly. You've got all this crap on your face, you know, these glasses in the in the visual I provide. It's like, of course, you can't, it doesn't feel simple because you're trying to focus through all of these different lenses. And the more emotional you are, the less logical, the less rational you are. As one goes up, the other goes down. They're inversely proportional. Logic and ration go down the more you're, um, you're feeling emotional, which is why willpower and discipline desert you in times of stress. Because when you have a stress response, by definition, rational, logical thinking goes offline and your brain goes into that primitive brain where you're just in survival mode, short-term thinking, negative thinking, um, worst case scenario thinking, uh, instant gratification thinking. You know, who cares about tomorrow when you're in a stress response? And so when you are operating from a place of chronic stress, your subconscious urges are literally driving the bus. And that's how emotions become self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't stop and recognize that you've gone into fear or shame or frustration or whatever, then your behaviors are going to start being driven by that. So let's take this to an example with drinking. Last week, I had a client who's been sober three weeks and she's killing it. She's loving it. She's doing it. She's felt so good. But as so often happens after a few weeks or months of sobriety, all of a sudden her 
her she got out of, ahead of her skis, if you will. And she had a really big overwhelming week and she decided that she wanted to go to the gas station to get tonic water and ginger beer because that's one of my favorite uh, mocktails and that was what she wanted. And she got to wherever it is she thought she could pick this up and they didn't have it. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And she ended up grabbing a beer. Why did that happen? It is not because she no longer wants to be sober or that she's never going to get the desire for alcohol out of her body. Nope. She had a stress response. She was in a stress response when she went to the store and did not have the logical, rational capacity to make a good decision. Her circuit breakers blew. It's a perfectly normal reaction, okay? But what happened is she's still learning how to deal with those feelings. And so the next day, even though she'd only had one beer and it wasn't, you know, the end of the world, she told herself, I already fucked up, so I might as well have another drink. So I want to take a snapshot here so we can examine the all or nothing black or white thinking and how that's affecting her. And we're going to look at this from the second drink, not the first. The reason she had the first drink is a whole other episode. She has too much on her plate. She's placing really high expectations of herself that she would place on no other human because it's impossible for her to do everything she's expecting herself to do. And so all I can say is, of course, she needed an escape by Friday night, for sure. Of course she does, because she's constructed a life that isn't really sustainable. That's another episode. For now, though, let's look at this from the Saturday. On Saturday, the beer had already happened. And what I want to first put into perspective, and this is where the rules of sobriety can really work against you and perpetuate this black or white thinking, because in what objective reality is having one beer a disastrous fuck up? Those are the beliefs that are just the inverse of the black and white thinking that made us think 10 beers are a good idea. That's the all or nothing thinking. I'm not advocating that one beer is the answer to her problems. It's not. But what I am saying is that her reaction to the one beer was really out of proportion with what actually happened. And that's coming from the beliefs of the sober community, that somehow one drink, she has to give up all of her sobriety and go all the way back to day one, and she's a piece of shit who failed. Where really, you could also reframe that as, she only had one beer. I mean, look at the week she had. I feel like she's winning. And that's exactly how I framed it to her. I'm like, look, you have had three weeks of sobriety. You have decreased your alcohol consumption by like 99.99%. In every book that counts, that is a win. And so allowing herself to be hijacked by the beliefs that somehow a blip, a single quick setback, should be anything but you know a call to apply more self-care to herself that's just crazy because in reality she's had one beer many many times and considered that a win nothing has changed about the beer it's just her attitudes about the beer and again that's another episode but in this situation i coached her you know what would she 
be doing, what would she have done differently if she had realized that the way she felt, her disappointment in herself, that that feeling wasn't a fact, that the defeat, I'm putting air quotes around the word defeat, the defeat wasn't real. It was just a story. And that is another skill I teach in the next chapter, the ability to take a situation and tease apart what's going on in your head and what's going on in the real world. That is like the mother of all skills. That is awareness. Knowing what what is coming from a product of ideas and opinions versus objective uh, external facts that you have to deal with, okay? The beer in this story isn't the problem. The beer also, as, as it applies to Saturday, was in the past. It was just a memory. And her thoughts and feelings the story she was telling herself about the beer became the problem. The beer was already gone. It was out of her system, whatever. And so I coached her to say, to look at what other reactions are available in that situation. Like the, the one that we started with was for her to just wake up on that Saturday morning and say, I wish I hadn't had that beer. And to allow herself to feel the shame and the disappointment and feel that in her body. You see, when you move into the other story, which is, well, I've already fucked up and it doesn't really matter anyway, what you're doing, what she was doing in that, what we all do, is trying to circumvent her feelings by creating a story that made it make sense so that she didn't have to sit in the shame and disappointment that she was feeling in herself. But the truth is that emotions are like poop. Like the longer you keep them inside of you and pretend they're not happening, the more discomfort they create in your body. In reality, feeling a little bit disappointed in yourself because you had a beer is like, I've had worse paper cuts. Like if emotions really are like poop, Deal with it, go to the bathroom, process it, close the door, do what you need to do and let it go. Instead of stuffing down that feeling because you don't wanna be you know, disappointed in yourself, so now you're gonna tell yourself a story that it doesn't really matter what you do anyway because you're never gonna get it right. And so you avoid feeling the disappointment and you're just exchange, you're just perpetuating this crazy circle in your brain. When if you just stop and say, I feel disappointed and ashamed with myself. And then put your hand on your heart like you love yourself and say, I forgive you. Like, I get it. And you know what we're going to do today? We're going to work on why our life is so crazy that that popped our circuit breakers. We're going to work on our resilience. And I'm going to love you enough to say that that was a completely understandable reaction to a crazy life. And I'm going to show up and do some work so that you don't feel like you have to escape your own life and your own body by Friday night because you're putting too many expectations on yourself. So the first reaction that, that's available to, to you, to her, whatever, is, is to just acknowledge the feeling, to notice it. And in last week's episode, I talk about the three questions to ask yourself in the moment when you need to process through a stress response or process your emotions. And the first question is, what am I feeling? Like acknowledge it, own it. Accountability is the ultimate 
a way to free yourself because you're owning it. You don't need to make a story. You're like, yeah, that happened and I don't like the way I feel. The second question I covered in last week's episode, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you didn't, because I do a much deeper dive, but how do you want to feel? Like in this situation, I think if she was really honest with herself, and she was, and she agreed with me, and that's why I'm saying this, is she wants a fucking break. She wants a break, not just from the life that led her to pop her circuit breakers and have a beer on a Friday night, but also to give herself the break that she would demand somebody else give her. You know, if she had been fine, let's say she was completely fine with the beer, and let's say the husband came in and said, you had a beer and was all over her shit, she'd be like, back up. I have reduced my alcohol intake 99.99% in the last few weeks, and I don't need you to ride my ass. But what we don't realize is we're riding our own ass. So we push our spouses away and the other people who may or may not be trying to help us and don't realize that the biggest problem is our inner voice, our inner critic, our inner critic that won't give us the break. And so how does she want to feel? Like she deserves a break on a lot of different fronts. Like that drinking of the beer is actually a call to action that she's got some work to do. And it's not on changing her beliefs about alcohol. That was the other thing she said was like, how long does it take before your beliefs completely change about alcohol? And once again, I want you to look at this on a spectrum, not black and white. She's 95% where she needs to be. She didn't want to have the beer. That's why she had the negative reaction. So the belief that she doesn't want to drink is already firmly set. It was just in that moment when she had a stress response, and it's only been three weeks, that she reverted back to a conflicting belief, which is, oh, beer will solve this problem. That's it. But on the, there is no black or white. There's no 100%. Occasionally, I still have thoughts that, you know, I remember like, oh, this, this whole day is screwy. And I remember the taste of vodka at, at happy hour, just the taste. And that thought, that image, that, that visceral sensation passes through me. But, you know, for me, now it's been almost three years and there's no chance in hell I would have a drink to, you know, calm down my nerves or treat my anxiety or disappointment with alcohol. I know and believe, you know, as close to 100% as you can get that alcohol is the problem, not the solution. And she knows that too. And so because she had one beer to take away all of her progress, well, up, we can see what happens. <laughs> she ended up drinking again on that Saturday. Um, and just to finish this train of thought, you know, the three questions were, how do I feel? How do I want to feel? And then the third question is, what actions do I need to take? And in that moment, that Saturday morning, the actions that would have brought her back and moved her needle back into the okay, you know, after she felt the feelings and processed her own disappointment was like, okay, now what do I need? Do I need to call my coach? Do I want to listen to a book on sobriety and reinforce some of those beliefs that I'm working on? Do I need to eat a good meal? Do I need to sleep some? Do I need to take a walk? You know, what do I need? Being kind, being kind to herself. Those are the actions that would have brought her back to a state of okayness. But as it was, she hasn't quite mastered these tools and she beat herself up. 
And so I'm telling this story to highlight uh, what results you can expect when you insist on beating yourself up for problems. That is the black or white thinking where if you don't get it all right, you go all the way back to zero. That is a black or white all or nothing thinking that creates the cycle of self-sabotage. Because when she went into feeling shame and fear and doubt in herself, those emotions created the next behavior, which for her ended up feeling like shit all day and then having another drink that night. Those emotions become a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is why thinking that we have to do everything right in order to feel right is ass backwards because you're not going to always do everything right. And if you don't know how to respond to feelings of disappointment and stop and deal with those feelings, you're going to move into a cycle of self-sabotage. The skill that I have been working on personally and that I work with clients on is to learn how to feel right so that you can do right. How to stop placing conditions on when it's okay to be okay and to restore your sense of okayness even when the outside world needs work. Just think about the difference in how you approach a situation or a problem when you feel confident that you can figure things out, that you can resolve it, versus when you approach a problem with a deep sense of shame and inadequacy. Because when you feel inadequate, you're more likely to give up because it doesn't matter anyway, right? And so you give it a half-ass attempt with willpower or discipline, but you're not really vested in it because you don't think you can do it anyway. This is the cycle. So you have to learn how to feel right first so that you have the confidence to tackle whatever obstacle is in front of you. You know, authentic confidence is not knowing that you're going to be able to do exactly what you wanna do and nail it on the first try. It's knowing you can manage your feelings. It's knowing you can handle a little bit of failure. It's knowing that you are resilient, knowing that you are persistent and consistent in your efforts, that you're gonna keep going, keep trying. Setbacks don't scare you because you're playing a long game, that you can tolerate a little bit of stress so that you can do hard things. This is about being an adult. We have to stop wincing at our own feelings. When the shame and the fear and the frustration or whatever it is comes up, learning how to read our own body language, like those feelings are a call to stop, drop, and deal with yourself to change how you react to those emotions by number one, not believing that they are the bearers of the truth, that the bad news that the story is in your head isn't true. You turn and you face it head on and you use these tools to resolve the emotions. So you bring them out into the light. When on that Saturday, she was afraid or she was feeling the shame or the fear or whatever was coming up from her. She probably just kept herself really busy because she didn't want to stop and feel because we're conditioned to manage our behavior and suppress our emotions. And the work of recovery is learning how to stop and allow the emotion to come up because the emotion is a story. 
The story is the thought. You have to challenge the story. You have to ask yourself, is this true? What else could be true? How do I want to respond? What do I need right now to be okay with the shit that is not okay? Like, how could I be okay even though things are not okay? And ironically, the first step to being okay is to acknowledge you're not okay. You can't fix a problem if you don't acknowledge what the problem is. We just get confused as to what the problem is. We think the problem is that you had the beer or that something is going on in the outside world. When in truth, the problem is just your emotions. And that's liberating. Because if you stop and deal with your emotions first, you get all those glasses put the visual back in your head of me wearing like five pairs of glasses. You take off each pair of glasses, each emotion one by one. What's the story I'm telling myself? What else could be true? How do I want to feel? What actions do I need to take right now so that I can feel better about the beer last night? Well, you know, I want to think about how I deserve a break in many, many ways. Okay. So the biggest change this requires, the biggest change that emotional sobriety requires is that you have to make time to practice it. Bad news in the beginning, this feels exhausting, which is why early sobriety feels exhausting because dealing with your emotions is constant. When you start paying attention to how you're feeling with the willingness to deal with that, you realize your fans run in all the time and you're just like a computer, you're overheating. And so we feel so exhausted. Yes, in the beginning, the bad news is this does take time, but it's like riding a bike. Like you will get it very quickly once you understand how to shift your uh, definition of what the problem is. When you move from whatever's going on out there is the problem to my thoughts and feelings about this are the problem and I'm going to deal with those first. And redefining the problem by taking ownership of it so that you are the problem means that you are now the solution. Like if the problem is that you had a beer last night, there's nothing you can do about that. So that is going to lead to feelings of hopelessness and, of course, cycles of self-sabotage. But when you realize the problem is just your thoughts and feelings about the beer, well, now you're back in the game because you can solve for your own emotions. You can handle this. It just takes practice. This is a skill. And, you know, just to bring back my other metaphor with uh, emotions are like poop, I like to think of stress responses in the same way I think of diarrhea. You know, I can't really keep going. I'm going to need to pull over, get off the highway, leave the meeting, whatever it is. I'm going to have to deal with this. And I might be late. I might not even go, you know, if I'm if there's some place I need to be. But thinking I don't have time to deal with my emotions is completely wrong. I don't have time to not deal with my emotions. Because if I'm not dealing with those feelings, then I'm internalizing negative, critical, judgmental, and I'm carrying around all that shame and fear. And just like my diarrhea metaphor, I am full of shit. And I am not able to interface with the world as my best self. You need to let that shit go. Because ignoring your feelings and keeping going only keeps you doing laps around the cul-de-sac of stupidity.
There is no better time than right now to stop and learn how to deal with your emotions so that you can break the cycles of self-sabotage that we keep falling into. All you have to do is learn how to stop and feel your feelings. They don't actually hurt that bad most of the time. And you're worth it. Like this is what's on the other side. This is what's on the other side of being controlled by your behavior or by having to work so, so hard to manage your behaviors. You can leave all of that shit behind by building your resilience to manage your own emotions. That is priority number one. That is always step one on any to-do list. So good luck with this. Check out the show notes if you're interested in the next chapter. And if you click the link, you can book a discovery call with me to learn more about the format and the logistics and my approach and see if it's a good fit for you. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 days to spontaneous sobriety course where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.